fourth to last Wizards After Dark postgame show of the season. We've got a heck of a game to discuss. We're just going to discuss this this uh, great Bulls-Wizards game. The Bulls beat the Wizards 115-114. And just a huge game from Walt Lemon Jr., former Celtics legend. And Shaq Harrison played some killer one-on-one defense on Jordan McRae. I mean, Bradley Beal sat a couple of quarters. I mean... I'm Fred Katz, by the way. I cover the Wizards for The Athletic, and I'm um, the host of Wizards After Dark. And I'm, uh, I'm here with Ben Standig of NBC Sports Washington, who I obviously had, not because he's a regular guest and not because of any other news that's happened, just because this, this game is just it's a big one. Oh, I was excited. I tweeted after the Wizards loss that Wizards squeezed by lemon. So I was pretty... I was- <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty excited for that. So it was made it all made made this little, made long couple of days here all worth it. That's good. You get, there's there's a there's a uh, there's a joke about them wanting to return this game too because it was a lemon. I, I mean, I can't even. This was. I think if we ranked the games, of course, the base. No, level, we're not even. I'm just saying, like this one, like even the people who are coming to the games. To, they get excited to come to the game. Still, they were not even watching the game. Nobody was. Nobody watched this game. I think the Wizards lost because the box score says that. I'm not actually sure though, based on anything else. So obviously, in case you couldn't decide from my sarcasm at the start of the show, <laughs> we're not going to talk about this game. We're recording it after the game, but we're not going to talk about the game. Uh, we are going to talk about the news of the week. Is currently when, is it Wednesday? Wednesday night at 10:19 p.m. So. We're about 30 or so hours-ish, 34 hours. I don't know. I'm not going to do the math. We're a day and a half removed from uh, the Wizards officially announcing the dismissal of President of Basketball Operations Ernie Grunfeld. Uh, Ted Leonsis has spoken to media now twice in the last two days, talking about Grunfeld on Tuesday, shortly after the Wizards released the news. He did that at the practice facility. Then at morning shoot-around this morning, he spoke. Uh, Scott Brooks has spoken about this a number of times now. Bradley Beal spoke about it this morning at shoot-around. Initial observations, whether it's Ted's first thing, something on Ernie. Give me, like, the first thing you find out Ernie's officially gone. Give me give me the first thing you think. Um, I, I, I was not somebody who was going, you know, the, the, I was not like waiting for this day to happen. Anticipated that it might, but I wasn't like, "Oh my God, I can't wait for this day to happen." The way a lot of fans are, but I did wonder because one day this would happen, and knowing that the world at large would react a certain way, I wondered what would happen. This was not the way it broke down. Was nothing, nothing like I thought it would, largely because we were at the practice facility, and there's only a handful of us there. It sort of sort of felt like. We were the people in the draft lottery in the room when you find out which order the ping pong balls are, except we're isolated, but the rest of the world also finds out the news. <laughs> so I had I, I, it, it, I felt completely disconnected. I, I was barely on Twitter the last 24 hours, so um, so it was just weird from that perspective. Uh, I'm also I think the thing also for me was how not surprised I was, which is also surprising. Because of the fact, that, like you, you, you know, he's been here for 16 years. Was it ever going to happen? Uh, I had a pretty good read on it. Literally before the season started, my thought was 46, 47 wins, or the only two people left are John Wall and Scott Brooks. Th- this was an all-or-nothing year, and by game two, 
it seemed like we were heading in this path, and as the season progressed, and I'm sure you heard the same thing, it's just the drumbeat of, you know, Ernie might be in trouble, Ernie might be in trouble. So it got to the point where I wasn't surprised, and ultimately, like I said, on some level, based on how I assumed this would ever go down, I'm surprised that I wasn't surprised in the end. So once I heard the news about search firms, and uh, listeners of this podcast know that you know, I, we had a whole episode with Matt Moore on Monday talking about potential changes in the Wizards front office, whether that's Ernie, whether that's other things. And Ted has talked about some of the other things that we talked about. Um, you know, he mentioned today making it kind of a more collaborative involved, uh, environment than they had under Ernie, who was very, like, top-down to, to make a lot of the decisions. He There were instances in which he kind of made some moves, and a lot of those instances were last-second ones, but you know, other people in the organization weren't necessarily aware of what was going on and because he kind of operated with his own stuff. He was kind of the – he was the authority. He was synonymous with the Wizards' front office as opposed to the Wizards' front office being the Wizards' front office. And we talked about that environment a lot. And I, I thought it was interesting Ted brought that up too as a thing that could change. I, I thought – once I heard the search firm stuff, I didn't know it to like say that I was going to report it. That would have been very irresponsible. But, like, I believed that, like, all right, he's looking at search firms. He's, what's the next intuitive step for this one? Why would he be looking at search firms? We can know this. I didn't think it would come, like, with four games left. I thought it would come at some point once the season was over. I I, I just wonder. I don't know what it says that Ted did it with four games left. He said he did it for competitive reasons. He wanted to open up a GM spot a little bit before everybody else, and that definitely makes sense. Like, that definitely makes sense, but, like, do you get all the sense that it was just to to get it over with, too? So, the last time we were in this building before today was the Dwayne Wade game, and as the game ended, and I just randomly ran into Ted Leotis, and we talked initially about Dwayne Wade, and then he made a comment about, well, they're going to the playoffs and we're not, and we have to figure out what to do, which then led me to be like, all right, well, since you just brought up the offseason, I'll just ask, well, where are your thoughts on the offseason? He's like, eh, I'm not there yet. They're going on the road trip. They'll be back after four games, and we'll see then, and whatever. And people immediately were like, well, who cares about the road trip? Why should that matter with anything? But sometimes people take words and form sentences for no reason, and sometimes there's a meeting whether they meant to have it or not. So people started to ask me as I did some radio stuff, well, what did he mean by that? And I started to think about it. I'm like, well, they can be mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. And I, my thought for the last few weeks has been, why wait? Like, don't be rude. Don't You're on the West Coast. Don't uh, say, okay, here, here, here's a Southwest Airlines ticket. Good, you know, It's been real. But that that seemed to make some sense. Like, there's, I mean, why wait? There, there is, I mean, competitive advantage. I think there's something to that. There's, what, two other teams right now? Or somewhere, like two or three yeah, teams? Yeah, two teams. That, 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 that are in this position. And, and who knows who else will make some decisions by, by, you know, within the next few days. So if you're going to go, why not? And so to me, it did sort of, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I was, as we were standing there in the practice facility, thinking, oh, it's happening right now. But it, in my head, it was sort of like this sort of made some sense. Yeah, it did. Uh, I think Ted did it the right way. Like, that's the way, God, you hear those stories about guys getting relieved on the road. Or like, Ted very intentionally. He didn't just do it because Ernie was coming back. I think he wanted to meet with Scott. He wanted to meet with 
other people in the organization and kind of let everybody know in person. And, you know, the Wizards, nothing leaked. I mean, this got out after Ted told everybody and when the Wizards clearly had a release that was ready to send out because, like, this broke, like, right before the release came out, right? Like, it broke, like, right before. Um, And then the Wizards announced it officially. So I think they did it right in that degree, but it's just, like, it is a little crazy that happened with four games left in the season. Like, that's just not – it's not – Conventional. I, I think it's one of those things because of, uh, so Ted Leonsis, as you said, he spoke yesterday at the practice facility, and then again today, basically on some level, there was a, the regular beat people were at the were there yesterday because we're there for, essentially for every practice. The other sort of media that is doing other things, not necessarily at every wizard practice, he, it basically gave them the opportunity to show up for this. And one of the questions that one of those people asked Ted was, well, why now? Like, why didn't you just wait? Because conventional thinking is that. And I think it's one of those things where it, we take the conventional thinking and then don't actually think it out loud. Like, there, what is, there is no reason to wait. That would be my only thing. Like, for sure. You know, if, if the season comes down to you're still trying to make the playoffs. Like, some people were asking why did you do it a week ago? I'm like, well, they weren't eliminated from the playoffs. And while we maybe can all sit here as we did and said, well, they're never going to make the playoffs. You, until you're officially out, you're not out. As no matter what, we all you know. so yeah. So I had no issue with with with, with the timing in, in that sense. And I guess then it just comes down to maybe more to the bigger picture. Why now? Like why why not the day, but why do it now when other people have said he could have been fired hypothetically any point in the last ten years? I'm not saying that, but obviously a lot of people have said that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, Ted used the word binary when he was talking about it. It's a binary thing. You make players, or you don't make players. It's black and white. That is a thing that I want to talk about with you. Because I think there is this culture within Wizards fans of blame Ernie. Every single decision. And because so many of the decisions do come from him. And he does make every decision. But he's not necessarily for the, uh, responsible for the, all the philosophies behind many of those decisions. The make the playoffs at all costs... That comes from above Ernie. That comes from Ted. He got fired because he didn't make the playoffs. At least from the way Ted talks about it. If the Wizards got into the playoffs, then Ernie would still be their GM. If the eight seed in the East, and it doesn't look like they're gonna, this is going to be the case, but if the eight seed in the East is a 38-win team, and the Wizards are that 38-win team this year, and they end up getting in, and they get swept by the Bucks, Ernie is your GM next year. It sounds like. Ted made a comment earlier this year about uh, failure would be making the playoffs or losing in the first round. So maybe he's not. Maybe if they just get bounced by the Bucks early, there's still a change made. Um, but, you know, he was he talked a lot about goal was to make the playoffs, goal was to make the playoffs, didn't meet our goals. And he didn't talk about the first round today or anything like that. Maybe just because he didn't want to sound delusional. Uh, but he had mentioned that earlier this year. And I just, I wonder, Ted... To Ted's credit, he – look, Ted Leonsis is not a stupid man. He's, he's a smart person and a very smart person. And to his credit, I think in a lot of ways he was very honest. Uh, and he, he said that he wants to do some introspection and see how the team is actually – not just allocating his funds, but allocating his philosophies, right? And I don't know if he's going to change on this. I don't know. 
But if he's able to look at something and he's got that search firm now, if he's able to, if outside consultants are like, you need to rebuild is what you need to do, like drop it with the playoffs, you need to rebuild. And he looks in and says, okay, we're in this position because of that philosophy. That's a good thing for the Wizards. But I don't know if that's going to happen. And if that doesn't happen, then you you could end up seeing similar types of moves from whoever this new person is. Because no matter what your job is, if you've got a boss, you got to appease the boss or else you're not going to have that job for much longer. And most people's thought processes, and this is not the wrong thing because it's how the vast majority of people think, is self-preservation. And... If you got your boss telling you this is what you got to do, this is the organizational goal, your job is to make that happen, that's the job, it's not to do what you want, it's to make the organizational goal happen, and that's what you got to do. And so I think it's more complicated than just Ernie. I think there needs to be a change of philosophy here in order for uh, things to actually turn around to their full capacity. So, yeah, I mean, so you you, you got to a a lot of things there to the point I took, I just took down notes because I was like, I'm going to forget things. My brain is mush. (laughs) So, okay, so so to go back to one thing. So at the beginning of the year, were you, I don't remember, were you here when they opened up the building, the uh, the, the new practice facility? Yeah, that was my first day. Uh, okay. So I don't know if you got Ted that day or not, but um, a couple of us did, and asked about the building, but then you went into the season, and he said to me, I think others, the goal was 50 wins and the Eastern Conference Finals. Seemed a, a pretty steep goal, but okay, if everybody stays healthy and Dwight Howard actually works out, why not? They won, you know, 43 games last year, and John Nutball missed half the year, right? That was the goal, and I made sure to bring that up yesterday when he made it, when he said that the playoffs was the goal because he did downshift at some point. I think it was in London or it was around the point when John was out and things were looking different, so he shifted to that and he made the comment that Bradley Beal said, "Don't give up on us. We have enough." And okay. I think when we say, like, what is the goal of the playoffs, we think of it, the, the, the general populace thinks of it simply as the idea of making the postseason. That's an accomplishment. Some people, places will put up a banner in the building, all that stuff. And, you know, look, I guess hypothetically it gives you a puncher's chance to win the NBA title if you really want to dream big. But there's also a revenue component, and I think that cannot be over, under, understated. Plus, I think that a big factor in all this is, the revenue that this I, I, I talked to season ticket holder friends and you hear some stories and I think that is where a lot of the pushback was coming. My, my take at the beginning of the year was if it all goes well, they win 46, 47 games or based on Ted Leonsis, when he made the comment to 50 wins and it's Eastern Conference Finals, it reminds me very much of in 20, going into the 2014, 15 season, they had yet to make the playoffs with the John Wall group. And he made a, in a preseason press conference, said, I would expect you the playoffs. And Mecca Okafor got hurt, and the Wizards went out and traded a first-round pick to Martin Gortat, and they made the playoffs because I think if they hadn't, I think Ernie was in trouble then. And my sense was this was the same thing. So I don't know if I buy that the playoffs in and of itself mattered too much. I think he had higher aspirations. I think he was getting frustrated with this core. He said that he saw this year that before the injuries, stuff was going wrong. As we all saw, so I, I think don't you know the playoffs? I think is means finances more than it does the concept of postseason play. Your comment about everybody has a boss, 100. percent I have been I've been deemed the, the the Ernie defender for years because I, I I'm so I apologize to the people who just want death 
But I hate, I have to bring logic sometimes into the equation. Not everything he did was bad. Not everything he did was his fault. People, I remember when people gave him crap because they sold a second-round pick one year and then it turned out to be uh, Jordan Clark. It's not his move. Yeah, what GM? No GM is like, yeah, 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 I'd rather not have a second-round pick. Right, of course not. I mean, granted, they have traded them away all the time. Ernie, Ernie, it is genuinely an Ernie thing that he values second-round picks less than I would... Say would be the amount you should value a second round. Pick. Yeah, there's a half, there's a half eaten um, banana in this room. He he values the second round pick less. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, and I've asked him about it. I have it in a story that I wrote, uh, like right after the trade deadline. I had him in one on one. I asked him about second round picks, and he believes that there are other ways to find talent. You use second round picks to offload money or to throw into deals to grease them or whatever, and that's how he wants to use second-round picks. And he believes that you can find second-round talent just as easily on the open market, and you can cultivate it with a G League that they, a G League team that they have now. I don't necessarily agree, but he believes that. But when, it, when they sell a second-round pick, it is never on the GM. It is never on the GM. Right. Every GM in the league is going to his owner before games and, or before the draft and finding out, okay, do we have the capacity to buy a pick, and do we have to sell a pick? And no GM is walking in saying, all right, I really, I really want to sell a pick. This is the time to sell a pick. Let's get that, let's get that one point five million dollars, so we don't have Jordan Clarkson. No one is doing that. I promise everyone, no one's doing that. Hundred percent. And that comes down to what you discussed parameters. Even if he's given carte blanche to do whatever he needs to do, it's there's always a parameter. Even if the parameter is no parameter. There is a parameter. I mean, they just traded Otto Porter away before the trade deadline. Did they trade Otto Porter away because they thought that the best assets they could get back were Jamari Parker and Bobby Porters and some cap space? No, they didn't because it helped them get under the luxury tax. I mean, Mar- like they traded Marquise Morris and attached a second-round pick. Marquise Morris came back four games later. They're claiming they're still trying to make the playoffs. But So why would you do that? Why would you give up a second-round pick for a guy who would be one of your top five or six players if you're still trying to make the playoffs? Unless... There's another factor in there, which was you needed to trade him with Otto, in conjunction with Otto Porter to get under the tax. These are things that logically would be passed down from the ownership. I'm not even knocking that that's the case. I'm just pointing out the fact. And just lastly, uh, I'm going to actually put this back up on Twitter any day now, but um, back in 2016, Michael Lee and I did literally a five-hour podcast that I broke up in like six parts. Oh, my God. Nothing. <laughs> it was only about the Ernie Grunfeld era. We went through all the boots because at that point, that was the first year with Brooks. They started terribly. People just fire Ernie, fire Ernie. So we went through everything. Jordan, the, the Jordan Clarkson move we just discussed, Jan Vesely, Mike Miller, everything. Point, yeah. And so from doing that, the, a lot of people, some people even recently said to me, oh, we gave excuses. No, just point out the reality. He, some things he did bad. The Andre Black extension, ugh, the, the summer of 2016, yikes. But not everything was, 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 was his fault. And to the point to sort of swing it back to today, if you are excited that the Wizards got rid of Randy Grunfeld and you think sunshine is out every day, this is it, ah, we'll see. The, 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 the guy who was his boss who kept him employed for all this time is still here. And like you said, what does Ted Leonsis take out of this? He said he's going to be... He's going to try to talk to people in the organization. He's going to try to gain some introspection. He's hopefully he won't be humbled by this, and maybe all that leads to some different things going forward. No matter who you know, whoever the person in charge is, we will see. But that that needs to happen. And if it doesn't, or you know, 
then you know that then whoever the new person is will become the wrath of the fan base to some degree perhaps if they make choices that don't work out and again whatever choices they're going to make will be set up by parameters passed down by ownership and look if you want to be if you want to change I don't know you know him better than I do I kind of think Ted is the personality who would be open to changing even if he has been so stringent, even if he spoke in absolutes, we will never, ever tank. Like, I, there are first-name owners in this league and there are last-name owners in this league. You know what I mean by that? Like, there are the ones who, in Oklahoma City, well, you know, you talk to Mr. Bennett, and Mr. Bennett says, blah, blah, blah. It's so formal. He's Mr. Bennett to Sam Presti, who's been his general manager for over a decade. He's still Mr. Bennett. Ted, with the lowest level employee, is Ted. Right? Uh, I think that type of personality um, and the way that he talks, I don't know. I've, well, do you know his... How I, often does he really talk like he has the last two days? So I really need to introspect and find out what needs to be changed beyond, beyond the people, the philosophy and... Sure. The investments and those sorts of things. So when he first became on the scene, when he uh, he bought into the Capitals, ultimately to get to the Wizards, I know people act like he's more of the Capitals. That's not how it started. Anyway, his whole shtick was, because he was Mr. AOL, if you sent him an email, he would respond. All of it. And I think he did for a long time. That was the thing. Eventually, he was like, I got, I got to get back to have a life here. But, he, <laughs> but, but that was like his thing, and I think that was his way of becoming... He wasn't trying to be the owner from Alpine who you'd never see. It was only in the press box and smoking cigars and living a life that you know, he was no trying to be the guy, like the, the the main guy. So to your point about being Ted, I think it also sort of all started from that on some level. Um, to the point of introspection, he's always been a guy who, uh, you know, I mean, he he, he uh, I'm sure he's attended a Tony Robbins seminar at some point in his life <laughs> or that type of. Thing, and I'm, not, not yeah, we want to think different. That was his quote today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not group, no group think. Yeah, going to think different. Right, right. And, and he's, you know, he, he he wrote a book, uh, which I own somewhere. Like every book I have, I only read like a chapter or two and put it aside because that's how it works. What a writer you are. Uh, <laughs> but like basically, it was uh, it, essentially, you know, his philosophies in life. But also, he he always talked about he had lists of things he wanted to accomplish in life, and that was like a big thing for him. And so he's clearly somebody who's thinking. Be, be bigger picture on the regular. Now, obviously, he's got you know, his life has changed in many ways since then, just because that's what happens. And he's got this business and these teams and all these doing more stuff. But he seems to always think in those terms. These, you know, how can I make things better, even if maybe it doesn't work out. But he seems to be thinking that. So that's what the, you know. The, the the other thing about this, you, you said he's the introspection. How do I say this? He, he has also very much uh, trying to establish what he thinks he has done positively to this situation. He has talked about the building that they built, that the money they have spent. He didn't say they were a top five payroll. He said they were fourth at the beginning of the year. He knew exactly the number. Uh, he he made he he uh, all the way. He he pointed out the specific attributes. As he sees them, that, that 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 he's done to help facilitate this situation, uh, or you know, try to make this thing better. You can look at the data yourself and decide what's real and maybe what's embellished. 
I embellish lots of things. I haven't been on a dating app in a while, but if I did, you know, <laughs> pro- pro- probably give myself an extra, you know, like, drop, drop, put myself to like 5'10 or something, you know, who knows? Um, and, and, and so that also becomes, I think, interesting on some level because, you know, he said he took responsibility for, for, for this, and we didn't put it all on Ernie, and that's great. And then, the, But the question becomes, to what end? I mean, to what end do you take responsibility? Is it all got to start over? Or does only some of it have to start over? Was was the plan good, but the execution stunk? Or was it all, you know, that, that, and that's where it becomes interesting as to um, as to what he what he does. And it's been interesting to be around him the last 36 hours, whatever you came up, number you came up with, to see him try to, I won't say spin, but it's almost natural for somebody in his position to do that. That's... Uh, he, we all spin. Everyone in their life spins. Yeah, yeah, 100%. But especially, this is a business. Like, we treat it like it's basketball, like it's, a, like it's this childhood game. It's not. It's an actual business that happens to be they play basketball as opposed to selling sweatshirts or ice cream. They just, bat, it's basketball. They actually sell sweatshirts and ice cream as well. You can do all of it. You just literally named everything. Uh, <laughs> everything no, they do. They sell a, jerseys. They do. They sell pizza. I haven't been on the concourse one time this whole uh, whole season. I don't think I've. I, I, I don't I mean, know. They definitely sell pizza. They they definitely do. I just yeah. They definitely do all those things. But like, I've been like stuck <laughs> in the meteor room here. I've not ventured out. Um, it's because Wizards meteor room food is good. It actually isn't bad. It's top ten. It's fringe top ten in the league. Can I, can I, I'll tell you a Ted comment about this. Yeah. He, like sometime in the last month, he just like randomly walked into the media room. To the food area, I shockingly was standing near the food area. There might have been cookies. I don't know. <laughs> and he walks over to the woman, who's a very nice lady, who doles out the food. He walks over to her, looks at me, and he goes, "I'm glad we serve food because otherwise he probably you know wouldn't eat." <laughs> now, I, didn't, I didn't know if he was like taking a shot. Am I gonna get in the gym or like he? I don't know what he was doing, but I was like, "Wow, the owner of the team just like commented on my eating." That's kind <laughs> of funny. <laughs> oh man, that is a good story. I want to talk candidates. Let's talk candidates. Ooh. Well, can we talk candidates and talk about the owner's take on the candidates today, or is that not something you want to get into? We can get into that. That's fine. Great. Take the lead. Oh, well, I mean, so obviously he just, Ted, just yesterday, and I guess he, I guess he had yesterday, he said that he's going to take time to figure this all out. You mentioned the search firm that you had reported a day or two before. Uh, that they were going to do that, but he, I, I, have to, I wanted to go back and look at the tents. Had he already started the search firm, or was it coming up? I assume it was coming up because Ernie, at least he would say that because Ernie just it just had happened, and that there, and that he was going to open mind and he wanted to have all these conversations with people in the organization. He didn't want a set result. He wanted to take the, have the have the conversations go wherever they went, so that it didn't automatically come back to an answer he wanted. And then that few hours later. You had a report that said Tim Connolly, uh, the GM of the Nuggets, or does he's the president? president. I hate the president GM thing. This I call, know. It's called the GM. It's, it's well, the so it's all front office terminology is messed up now because GMs we think of as like yeah the person in charge right. That's like our uh, like what's the word? That's our colloquial way of saying the guy who runs the team. But no. 
Yeah, it's confusing. So anyway, so yeah. Tim Connolly, president of the Nuggets, who effectively is running the front office, who is a Baltimore guy. He used to be here 100 years ago. He was here 15 years. Yeah. Uh, he, was, he was here 15 years or was he here 15 years ago? He was here for 15 years. He left in 2010 to take the New Orleans Hornets assistant GM job, back right. when GMs were GMs and assistant <laughs> GMs and not presidents and VPs or presidents and GMs uh, they uh, or VPs and GMs. They took, uh, yeah, he took the assistant GM job under Del Demps. Right. New Orleans was there for three years, then he got the GM job back when GMs were GMs. In, uh, in Denver, Arturis Karnasovas was his assistant general manager, and he basically got promoted to president in the way that a lot of people are getting promoted to president these days. It's not necessarily, and I don't mean this as knock, Tim Connolly is very well respected around the league and clearly has done a fantastic job with the Nuggets. Uh, but basically, whenever you see two guys promoted at once, it's not for the guy on top because the guy on top's already on top. It's for the guy on the bottom. Karnasovas was interviewing other places. I forgot exactly where he interviewed. Atlanta, maybe? Uh, I'm trying to remember where he interviewed. Anyway, he had interviewed other places, and he was the assistant GM. And so they promoted both of them uh, because they didn't want to lose him. So he took over the GM job because he's, he's less likely to interview for GM jobs. He's already a GM. And they promote Connolly to president, and that's how you end up. And that's what, like, every team in the league is doing now. And that's how you end up with president, vice president, or president GM. Right. All right, but well, more importantly... Let's get, I, it's what a tangent. Yeah, let's get, let's get the important part. So, so you mentioned, so you report that, the, <laughs> that that Tim Connolly, if I have the order on the topic, that Tim Connolly is the sort of the focus of the Wizards' plan going into uh, the, this search. You were, again, you wrote this <laughs> hours after the owner said, ah, it's, I'm going to take a minute to figure this out. And then we get to so he, the owner comes today to talk uh, to to the media again, and I was must have been as often as the case tweeting or my head is elsewhere. So I didn't even hear the first time he brought this up. What twice he brought it up at least? There was one time I don't know if the first time he said it he was actually like talking to me. He might have just been saying it. Uh, Maybe he was talking to me. About I mean, this. well, so so basically, he he says that. Oh, so so the, the, I have the the the, uh, the quote here somewhere, but basically, he was at. So part of the parallel, and I wrote about this on NBC Sports Washington in terms of the, with the Capitals, everything. It is important to pay if you really do want to get a sense of what may happen. I would go back and look at the history of the Capitals because the one move they did make, he fired the longtime general manager who had gotten the team to a certain point, but not over the hump, and eventually hired his number two. Um, Brian McClellan, and he said that Ted said Brian McClellan came in, killed the interview, and, and, and got the job. And uh, uh, Tommy Shepard is in now the interim, and he's in sort of this um, position. But so that frame of questioning came up during the press conference, and he was asked essentially, "Is there is a similar process to the Capitals?" He said. Um, Quote, yes, it is similar. I've come to see where there are similarities and then big differences between the NHL and the NBA. I'll tell you one place where it's different. I didn't make an announcement, and the next day there were there was people saying, quote, here's who the contenders are and here's the lead people when there is, and then he, he is now saying, but there is no list. There is no discussions. And, I, okay, and then, but then later... He brings it up again, sort of essentially unprompted. This time, he, he we we know we found that he knew your name because <laughs> he said uh, Fred or whatever he said. Uh, there's, no there's, list, there's no list. There's no list. There's no list, Fred. So um, anyway, so so that was all fun. Um, uh, 
look, I, I mean, so you have to go from there because it's your, your story. But anyway, so what, you could either say Dolph protests too much or you could say, you know, he did say it was early and there is no list. I'm going to say Dolph protests very intelligently. I never reported there was a list. I reported one name, not a list. Uh, I reported league sources believe that the Wizards are targeting Tim Connolly. Uh, and that's me and David Aldridge did The Athletic, which you can check out on theathletic.com, by the way, at the D.C. site and on the Denver site. David Aldridge. Uh, that, that hack. David Aldridge, yeah. Whoever think David Aldridge knows what he's talking about when it comes to the NBA. <laughs> uh, for, for what it's worth, I'll say that, like... Uh, Washington Post reported the same thing today, by the way. Uh, so did uh, NBC Sports Washington. Oh, you well, did too? I well, didn't I didn't report the, the, the lead. Candace reported the, the same main focus. Gulliver reported Connolly. Oh, okay. I, I, I just reported, like, I I heard a couple of names. He was one of them. I mean, the, yes. I mean, and, and look, it, it makes sense on a lot of levels, although he was not here when Ted took over, or, or he was here, was here for four seconds, because Ted took over in 2010. So. He was here when Tommy was here. Yes. They worked together for a long time. Right. And Tommy so, Shepard. Yes. So that would be interesting if if there's some sort of a collaboration between the two of them, but then you would think that Tommy Shepard, who would want the job, so that that so that part I don't that, because there there are ways to get around it. I mean, not well, to not to not to make a joke, but I mean, like you can promote both of them. Sure, I guess it comes down to, and so this comes back to sort of we're veering away from the candidates and going back to the Ted thing. But he talked about this collaborative situation that it's and that's it's an interesting. Again, you want to go back and see how he parsed some of the language because what does that mean? Is he saying he wants four or five people in the room, everybody has a conversation, we have a group discussion, and we collectively come up with an answer? Or is it we're all just having conversations, but ultimately still one person's making the decision? Because if that's the case, then, you know, if you and I are sitting here, we're both, what are we doing for dinner? We're both deciding you want pizza, I want Chinese. And we, we agree, or you pick. That's a different. That's different. So that that's where the whole like just because Tommy and um, Tim have a history, that's where it's interesting because uh, to have that comes to play. Um, here's my question. Though. Also, to be clear, like there's going to be a search. Sure. Like I don't think it's like we're going to wake up tomorrow. I mean, I think Tim Connolly is very much going to be in the search, according to. This was not like a two source thing. This was not a three-source thing. This was a uh, – I kind of lost track of how many people told me thing. Um, like we – I had a lot of people on this one. So I'm uh, – but I, I – I, I, it's not going to be like a thing where it's like, okay, tomorrow it's Tim Connolly. That's, there's going to be a search. There are going to be interviews. I, I – from everything that I gather, Tommy Shepard is going to be a legitimate candidate. And Tommy Shepard does have a um, – a very much which Ted talked about, like had totally has a uh, has has an advantage in this. I mean, like a massive advantage, well, which Ted seems to embrace. And so, and so when I so first saw, I don't remember what happened yesterday, but I guess when I first saw your 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 reports, I'm thinking, okay, so I get the interest. I mean, look, he's done a fantastic job at Denver. I mean, the fact that, I mean, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think it's simple enough to say, hey, if the Wizards had a second-round pick, they would have had Nicole Jokic or, Ma, or Monty Morris. It's not that easy. But he's found, he has been, has shown a knack to find guys, and they have a deep roster and all that stuff. It's crazy. Like, Gary Harris was 19th. Um, 
Monte Morris, you mentioned, was 56. Jokic was 41, right? Oh, um, who else was late? They, they, got, they got Will Barton off the scrap heap. Uh, well, Plumlee was definitely not a guy but you know, people were dying to get. Yeah, they, they, they drafted Nurkic. Uh, they... Who who am I forgetting? I mean, even Jamal Murray, he wasn't Jamal the first Murray had a lottery. I mean, yeah, yeah. There's there's oh, a Malik Beasley was a late first. Yeah, no, it's a crazy situation. And I and by the way, I don't actually know how far I think they're going to go in the postseason. We'll see what the, what the matchup is, but that's an interesting team because they don't. I mean, Jokic is unbelievable. I think he'd be like MVP third for me on my MVP ballot if I had one. But like, uh, we'll see how all these pieces fit together in the postseason bigger stage. But uh, my question was. Well, wait. Okay, so I get Ted is interested in taking some time to contemplate everything. Great. But three weeks puts you to the end of this month. If the Denver Nuggets hold to form based on playoff seating, they're playing until maybe the end of May. And things are going on. If part of the reason to fire Ernie Grunfeld now was because for competition, well, other teams are doing stuff. I mean, I'm not here to say that Scott Brooks is in trouble, but if a new GM comes in and says, hey, my plan would be to change coaches, well, now you've wasted uh, several weeks if something else could happen. Or if you wait until the end of May to uh, for, for Tim Connolly and he says he would do it, the, the, you, the lottery already happened. I guess it doesn't really mean that much, but, like, scouting is happening. The draft is June 20th. So uh, to wait that long, unless you just know, it's Buzz Williams to Texas A&M that everybody's been talking about for weeks, and now it's happened. It's that confident it's happening? Okay, I guess. But that's a whole other story of how to get on. But that's what I, I thought was a little bit interesting. That doesn't mean you don't wait. If you think he's the guy and you feel pretty good you're going to get him, okay, this is the same franchise that went all in on trying to get Kevin Durant didn't get a meeting. So that's a big matzo ball hanging out there if you don't think, if you can't actually get that guy and you wait six weeks. Meanwhile, these other candidates, you mentioned Tommy Shepard. He's supposedly up in the in the mix for the Pelicans' job. I don't know if he would go, but if the Pelicans said we're in and the Wizards are sort of hanging out, I assume he would take it. But, you know, then there's the other names, David Griffin, uh, Rojas in Houston. Uh, you know, I mean, you can put you, there's other names you could throw out. So that part was interesting for me about Conley. Are they actually waiting? I mean, he could be out. They could be out of the playoffs in the first round, but in seed wise. He could be there for a while, so that to me I thought was interesting. If that's their plan, okay, you better be right if you're waiting and potentially missing out on other things. Yeah, and if you're going to throw out other, and the, to be clear, this is me just throwing names out. This is not me reporting. The Wizards are. Yes. This is not same. me actually making the list I've been accused of making. <laughs> uh, I'm just throwing names out for the sake of doing so. Um, like Milt Newton has Wizards connections. Over in Milwaukee, I, I, Mark I, Eversley, yeah. Philadelphia. I don't think I, I could be wrong. I don't think Milton Newton's coming back here. From what I recall hearing, that's I don't. I don't think he's coming back. I, I like. Do we all do this? Oh, what's the former person who's lived mm-hmm. in like Troy? Troy Weaver. I don't think it's going to be Troy Weaver. But he's like been from his area. He's been the guy mentioned. I'm sure it was like half the league at this point. Mm-hmm. It's so weird. He's still in Oklahoma City, to be honest. But like for ten years, and everybody's been trying to get up. But he's from this area, so do, we all do this game. Sometimes it's right, but sometimes it doesn't yeah. mean anything. Yeah, I don't. If I, I'm, I'm guessing, I wouldn't guess Troy. And, and, guess. and we haven't even mentioned like the most prominent guy out there is David Griffin, yep. um, former Cleveland uh, GM. Uh, I, I actually think, and again, I'm not pretending. I'm the search firm, and you know, the, 
I always tell everybody, if you start, if we all can name the, the, the people who are the candidates, then it's wrong. Because we're naming the obvious people. So, that keep right. But, um, I think the Wizards are in a situation where right. they're going to hire this senior vice president of the San Diego Zoo. Find him out of total obscurity. Right. This guy has been unbelievable with the giraffes. You have no idea. I like you when the NFL team signs a special teams coach because when they do that, that says, "But you didn't go for the sexy pick. Yeah. You went. You think it's the <laughs> right pick." And I, those guys, John Harbaugh, Andy Reid, the, the, the couple. Um, but like the wizard situation is a is a kooky one in terms of the roster. Three guys healthy under contract for next year. You've got John Wall's contract, his, his injury. There's a lot in play. You have to be creative, I think, to, to, to do this. The Brooklyn Nets had to get super-duper creative the last several years. They came into a ridiculously bad situation, Sean Marks and his group from San Antonio, to come out with you know, they had no assets, no, 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 nothing good. And here we are a few years later. Uh, they are now looking for decent shots to make the playoffs. They are a tough out. They play the right way. They're going to have some great cap space next year where they can maybe get that next piece. And they are really interesting. And Trajan Langdon is a guy who is there, and he's starting to get some mention in some of these jobs. And, I, again, I'm not saying he would be the best guy, but, like, if we're looking at something as similar as, as possible to where the Wizards are at, it's not the exact same, but c- sort of comparable. I think that, to me, is interesting. Somebody who's already just gone through a ridiculously tough situation and come out smelling good on the other end, I think he's a guy that I think is interesting. But I think a lot of these guys are. I mean, David Griffin... Uh, obviously, you're a good track record, and you know, look, if Tim Conley's really in play, then sure, you know, knock yourself out. Trajan Langdon is an interesting candidate. He, I don't know when or where, but I'd be surprised if at some point he's not a GM. Like, I'd be really surprised. Like, he's, well, he's and, super well respected now. And, and the and, whole Spurs thing, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, if you, you came through that, you are, you know. Look at how many, look at how many organizations are, are, are basically Spurs people run now. Like, You've got Milwaukee as a hint of it. Utah is so much of it. Oklahoma City is run by all former Spurs people. Um, so based Brooklyn on that, is run by all former Spurs people. They're all good organizations. They're all very detail-oriented. You've got, like... And then you've got, like, the branches, like, the limbs off the branches of, like... Like uh, like Portland has some people who weren't Spurs people but worked for Spurs people, uh, and have those kind of Spursy like uh, like really militantly obsessed about detail traits. Uh, it, it's just the the Spurs run the league. Now. So so let's play this out. The uh, Brian Wright, by the way, is the Spurs assistant GM, and I've heard nothing about him with the Wizards, but. It seems like every Spurs assistant GM eventually becomes a GM of his own at some point. That's how they lose their GMs. That's how they lose Sean Marsh. Sure. Lose Scott Layden and all those guys. So so in the NFL, we just had this thing where if you had ever had dinner with Sean McVay, they wanted to interview you for coaching job, and some of those guys actually got hired. There is a former Spur in the organization right now. Pop Smentabansu was a scout for yes. the Spurs. He's now been this, the, the go-go GM for one year. It would be beyond stunning, just simply based on lack of experience, if he would get the job. He's super nice, though. He's super personable. The go-go had a good year, whatever that means. I don't know what a GM necessarily does at that level, to be honest. But, um, you know, they had to do stuff. So I, I, I highly doubt it. But I'm just saying if we're going to play this, well, they're connected to that. That's, there is a guy in the building. I, I, I would be stunned on just saying that, that that is a thing. I'll tell you what. 
if they did hirings based on Twitter handles, he would get it. You know, his Twitter handle is just Pops. I mean, he got Pops, and he was with Greg Popovich. <laughs> like, that's unbelievable. But, you know, you know, he got Pops. He used to have a different handle. And uh, he said, uh, his like, one of his buddies hit him up and was like, you know, Pops is available now on Twitter. You want it? He's like, yeah, I want it. And so now he's Pops. But he had a, he had a full name before. He wasn't the original Twitter Pops. No, it's fantastic. Um, l- let me ask you this. So we sort of went through a few things. The one candidate who has talked to the owner is Tommy Shepard, the guy who's been here, the, the guy who knows all the ins and outs. If you make the comparison to the capital situation, it would be easily him because the whole point, as Ted told us today, that Brian McClellan came in well prepared and he was willing to give candid responses to all the things that were happening. You think Ted even said, whether true or not, that McClellan said Ted needed to stop blogging about Ovechkin. Uh, because that was getting too much, and as somebody who was living through that, might, he might not have been wrong on that to some degree. <laughs> but uh, I, I kid, I kid, Ted. Uh, <laughs> but um, so Tommy Shepard's been here forever. He's been in the league 25 years, the organization, I think, 16. He's been in this current job, I think, as vice president of player ops, 13, or basketball ops, 13 years, something like that. He is well-respected. He is the, I mean, he knows everybody. He is personable. He, he's the guy who, um, I mean, the, the, the one thing you can say about the Wizards organization, they don't have a lot of bad cops. Between, between Grunfeld, Scott Brooks, and Tommy Shepard, they are nice men. They're, they're, not, they're not, there's no jerks there. Uh, and he is very good. And now, I'll be honest, I mean, I, I, I've known Tommy for a while, but didn't always know exactly his background per se, but now you start to read a few more things or talk to some people, and he's a guy who's very into the, 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 the latest um, – training uh, habits for athletes. He, he's an outside-the-box thinker. Somebody was telling me that he is somebody who has gone over, he goes overseas a lot to uh, study the, the, the prospects overseas, but when he goes, he's not just there to study the players. He's also to go and study European uh, soccer clubs to see what they're doing to advance their training and, and things like that. So he's a really interesting guy. And like you said, he's going to have, I mean, he and Ted are going to be having a relationship here. By the way, Ted, did he say he basically had no relationship with Tommy prior to right now? Yeah. I, I don't I, This is, this, I, when you asked me originally the first question, what, 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 what was I think? I think these are the things I've been thinking. Like, wait, what? How is that possible? How did you just never go to dinner? I don't, I, I know. Tommy was his number two. You're right. That totally stood out. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, some mind blowing. Even if it's not to, I get this uh, hierarchy that you don't want to under, you know, undermine Ernie or whoever's not top. But like, just hey, uh, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I'm sure they have also, that. Also, like, both of them. Tommy, Tommy's one of those people. If you ask people around the league about Tommy, he's wildly well liked. He's this very, very gregarious, outgoing personality. You ask people from other teams, hey, what do you think of Tommy Shepard? They're like, great guy. That's the first reaction you get from everybody. And just to say, sorry, just say randomly, I talked to somebody in the league having nothing to do with any of this. It was a call in from a couple of days ago. And when in the, immediately, within the first four seconds, because they obviously knew what team I covered, like, oh. Tommy Shepard, he's like one of my best friends. I'm just a random person. I don't even know who this was. <laughs> and I was like, this feels like this happens like everywhere. Yeah, it happens all the time. 
He's, he has 986 best friends. Yeah. Uh, it, it's true. He's just one of those people, which honestly is probably a very good trait if you are trying to, oh, I don't know, get a job and from somebody who's going to be around you a lot and evidence would say will probably end up liking you a lot. Probably a very good trait. Um, but yeah, Tommy's this guy who's like this big outgoing personality. He's one of those people who knows everybody. A lot of people respect. And uh, that yeah, that that makes it even more shocking. It's not like he's this this introvert, you know? Right. If it was me, I would get Ted never talked to me. <laughs> but like, yeah, he's outgoing. I mean, he's a Dallas Cowboys fan, so that's like kind of a negative. But uh, yeah, so that, that that part was bizarre. But uh, I, I guess that yeah, I mean, and here's the thing. I know people will say, well, is he? Well, let's say, would he be a good hire? I I, I I have no idea. I don't know. I mean, I, I, mean, no I don't know. He, in some know. ways, he's very tied to Ernie because he worked for him for such a long time. But I don't know. It's so hard to say. Unless he's like, been an actual general manager, and we already established with Ernie that even being a GM, you, are, you have the parameters. So you'd have to really know the circumstance of everybody's situation. I mean, David Griffin was tied into LeBron. You don't think LeBron had some say? He's dealing, he's dealing with Dan Gilbert. That's a whole show. So whatever you – but at least with David Griffin, you have something. There are results. If you're an assistant GM who has never been in this job, God bless you if you can definitively say this person's good or bad. I cannot do that. All I can say is, as we just said, he's a nice guy. He's worked. He's been around forever. Everybody seems to respect him. I had, to, you know, I've had people say he would be the best hire. Uh, you know, he. But yes, there and there's something to be said for. Well, he was also here. How, what decisions did did he help? Uh, did he say to Ernie that's the right call? Was he pro Jan Mahini or was he pro? Trading a first round pick for a quartet. I'm saying that as a positive. Uh, you know what? Were the, that's what we don't know. At least, at least I don't know for right now. And I right. think that's the part that you need to. That they have to assess. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent right, and uh, it will be interesting to see how they're going to go about this. Any? We got anything else? Anything else we should we should broach on? There's just so much to talk about. There, there is. So I'll, I'll I'll pimp something that's really quick that'll be up on uh, NBC Sports Washington. What is today? Wednesday? So Thursday. Uh, so you know we're all sort of overlapping, writing the same sort of thing. So I try to come up with like, okay, so this we know the basic issues: John Wall's health and contracts. There is a little bit with Bradley Beal. What do you kind of do with him? And you know, all, and, and, and that and this whole roster is you know, wide open. Um, but I was trying to think, okay, well, what are some of the actual, like Ted threw out some ideas of things he'd like to potentially see, but what are some things like, what are some strategies that that, that, that come into play for, for these new people? I, I, I'll throw out two, I think I had five, I'll throw out two and tell me what you think. One is, if I'm a new GM, I am not signing anybody to a contract more than one or two years right off the bat. I'm not doing anything that puts long-term money beyond Bradley Beal's contract, which it has two more years, because I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, Bradley Beal today, casually in the in, in shoot-around, referenced he was only here for two more years. He didn't say it like he was leaving. He just made a point of saying that his contract is for two more years. So I am not tying up, especially with John Wall's uncertainty, too. I, I'm not signing players to four-year deals. Now, that could be a problem. If Thomas Sadoransky is getting a four-year offer from somebody, I might have a problem. Bobby Porter's the same thing. But that, to me, and maybe you have to make decisions for individuals and, you know, maybe you have to do one. But, like, to me, I think that's something if I'm – I would be 
to me, I think that would be uh, something to very much consider because I'm not saying you have to rebuild. I'm just saying whatever this team's going to look like in two years is not, you know, I don't know what to be in two years. And I don't want to be tied up by making a move today. So that's one thought. You might be able to answer whether you want to sign guys for one to two year deals or not more easily, too. You might know this summer if you have to trade Bradley Beal or not. Because if Bradley Beal makes all NBA, you've got three scenarios, right? The first scenario is because he makes all NBA, he's going to be super max eligible. So you've got three scenarios. The first scenario is. You offer him the Supermax, he accepts it. Now you got Bradley Beal for four more years on top of the two. Four-year, $194 million additional for the two that you already have him, and you have him through 2025, so six total years. Scenario number two is you offer him the Supermax, he rejects it, and then you think, oh, man, he's not taking the Supermax. He doesn't want to be here. Trade him now or trade him soon. Scenario three, he's supermax eligible, and you decide you don't even want to offer it to him, in which case, what are you doing? He might want to He might want to be traded in that case. I mean, we see scenarios, if you use past scenarios where guys are supermax eligible and they don't get those offers, DeMarcus Cousins, for example, those organizations end up trading that guy. That's what the supermax has done to these organizations, just the mere existence of the supermax. So that... that the Beal issue, if he makes All-NBA, could end up resolving itself just because of the league's Supermax rules. Another reason why the Supermax is really stupid. It is going to decide for the Wizards what they are going to do, as opposed to allowing the Wizards to decide for themselves what they would like to do. It's going to decide for them. And, uh, you know, if you have Beal for six more years, or you know that you definitively only have him for two more, yeah, I mean, then you have to decide, okay, are, are you going to trade him? Or are you not going to trade Because that's the biggest question. Do you build around Beal? Or do you not build around Beal? I think that's a little bit more specific than do you rebuild or do you not rebuild, you know? Um, I actually am a big believer that even if you wanted to trade badly Bradley Beal, you don't do it this past trade deadline. Like, even if you know definitively Bradley Beal is not going to be on the team for the 2019-20 season, you don't do it at this past trade deadline because... I mean, unless somebody makes some offer that blows you away. The trade deadline that does it. Yeah, okay. yeah you, you put on the facade that you are not trading him, even if you are desperate to trade him. Which, by the way, I don't think Ernie was. I think they didn't want to trade him. Uh, that was every impression that I got. So this is me speaking in the hypothetical world of if they did want to trade him. You put on the facade that you don't. Because there are more max slots this summer than there are players to fit into those max slots. Someone's going to be left at the altar. Like, someone is going to be sitting there being like, we were supposed to get a player, and now we have no one. The Lakers, if they miss out on Anthony Davis and don't sign anybody, are going to be stuck with all these young guys being like, go get, now go get Bradley Beal because we need something. Ownership is going to do that, or the front office is going to do that, or something. And Bradley Beal is going to be the sought-after asset in that sense because Bradley Beal is a great player and I think is the type of guy who would fit in in pretty much any scenario from a personality standpoint and from a basketball fit standpoint. His game is so – I feel like he's kind of the shooting guard. Offensively, he's kind of the shooting guard version of what Paul George was before this year, like on that level, you know, where he's, he's great moving off the ball. He's really good with the ball. He can run your pick and rolls. But you, if, if you happen to be your lead ball handler, 
your offense probably has a ceiling to some degree. If he's your number two complimentary guy, he's an absolutely elite second-best player. And I think that's why like people thought Paul George was so perfect next to a ball-dominant guy like Westbrook as opposed to the situation he was in in Indiana. We're kind of seeing him grow now and have by far the best year of his career. I think Beal is the kind of guy that Paul George was up until this year, like not top three MVP candidate Paul George, but the perennial all-star Paul George, and he's kind of the shooting guard version of that. And any team that misses out on a guy this summer, if it has viable young guys, is going to turn to the Wizards and say, okay, so what do you want? And, and that's I think that's when you pray, when you have the desperation. So there are so many things that they have to evaluate. I think it all starts with Beal because he's that good and he's that important, and nothing's going to happen with Wall this summer. And so Beal is just the intuitive guy. I mean, they have basically no one else on the roster. And I don't mean like that is an insult. I mean, they literally have basically no one else on the roster. They have nine free agents. Like, they're either going to re-sign Sato or they're not. They're either going to re-sign Bobby Portis or they're not. They're not going to have that much cap room. So if they bring in guys, it's not like they're going to bring in someone who makes $25 million a year. They're going to bring in someone for the mid-level exception, or they're going to bring in people for the minimum, or they're going to bring in someone for the biannual. And that's going to be it. Uh, it's going to be role players. It's not going to be anybody big. So th- this this starts and ends with the decision to make on Bradley Beal, because the decision to make on Bradley Beal this summer is going to say everything that it possibly could about where you're standing for the next few years. Yeah, uh, a- absolutely. I mean, my basic thought there would be one: I would do everything I could to keep him because the the, the this team the last we've talked about this before the last two three months has played solid basketball. I not they're not contending for a title. They don't have a roster for that. They have shown up and competed. Uh, we won't get into tonight, but like okay, whatever. I don't even know what happened. But they were Beal wasn't even playing real minutes. <laughs> but like I'm just saying, like. They were trying, and I know that's like the well, this isn't kids, but that was an issue <laughs> we saw most of the year, and they have been competing. And I think the majority of that credit goes to Bradley Beal. He, he maybe he's naive on some level to think that this team had enough to make the playoffs, but he believes it and he tries, and that is something to be cherished. And when we were talking about what is the thing going forward, you can't just have a empty void of a locker room if you trade him away and now you've got some other kids and John Wall's not playing who's running the show somebody has to be in charge I mean you know I'm not saying you can't do other things but like that's important the other point though would be to to what you're saying is where am I at with Wall and Beal because the one thing I know for sure is that whenever John Wall comes back and if Bradley Beal's on this team John Wall is not for the first time in his career the number one guy that's that's just the way it's going to be. And how does that work? Because John Morant's going to be the first number one guy. You know what? <laughs> it could it could it could happen? I mean, that that's the move to have a lot of. I mean, if you really just want to see the thing go crazy, get John Morant here and let's just see what happens. But um, I just think you have to make a call on Wall and Beal because if Wall doesn't play at all next year, which is possible or, or most of it. Um, then he and Beal won't get to back together for another full year. So you could, in theory, punt that call and wait until he's back. But if you do, now you get wait. Uh, uh, Beal's gone. For, uh, you only have one year left on him. And if you think at that point you can't make this work, it's going to be hard to trade Wall, then you have to do something. So I almost think you have to sort of make that call almost now. You at least have to at least explore it. Can these guys coexist? Can they actually get this done? Uh, I'm not saying that they're bitter enemies or anything, but 
there's a there's a thing. I mean, I I don't I, I don't think how anybody can deny that there's going to be an alpha decision. I think Bradley Beal flat out wanted to Ted to not blow it up because he wanted a chance to lead this team. He did it last year. They faded a little bit late, and everybody knew John was coming back. And it was sort of wait till John comes back. He wanted to be the guy, and he has lived up to that. And then some with his all level all NBA level season. But what happens when John comes back? I think that is a huge thing for this new, the next person and for the owner to to discuss and figure out. Yeah. All right. Well, I think a one hour podcast is is a good number. But we didn't even get to. Uh, he, he he looked at the box where to see anybody on the Bulls. We didn't even get. Oh, Ryan Archie Diacono. I mean, come on, Villanova, right? The big the big pass <laughs> in that in that game. We can talk about him. You know. You know. That you really didn't pay attention to this game when you see Ryan Archidiakno and the first play that you referenced was from two oh, years ago. Oh. <laughs> At summer league, two years ago, Georgetown, uh, uh, the Wizards had Daniel Oshefu and crap. I can't believe I'm blanking. Who hit the who hit the shot? Uh, Chris Jenkins. Chris Jenkins. They had those two guys, and then they played the Bulls. I think it was the Bulls who had Archie Diakono. So that became a story, and, and so I wrote about that. Uh, yeah, so to me that is very much more uh, more applicable to my life than whatever happened in this game. <laughs> what a game. What a game it was. I'm really sorry that we didn't talk about it, guys. Uh, but, but, uh, can, can I say one last thing? Oh, please. One thing that's annoying now is... I have, as, a, as you have, have spent this entire season, especially once you kind of saw where things were going and thought, who are they going to keep? What are they going to do? What are the, what are the We don't know. And now, after all that time, it, it, it feels like when I – that was like a year, a few years ago where the Wizards only had a second-round pick, and I nerded out and looked at all the potential candidates, and then they get up to the line, and I think they sold the pick. And I was like, <laughs> are you serious? I just wasted so much time. And so that's what it's like. I mean, we have a sense of the players, but – Everything's out the window. We can all sit here and think Sadoransky and Thomas Bryant are great, and they, I don't know. New guy might come in and think, you know what, I don't want any of this. New guy might come in and think, man, look at Thomas Sadoransky. Look at that basketball IQ. He does everything right. He's so underrated. Give him four years. He's my starting point guard. New guy might come in and say, Thomas Sadoransky doesn't put up the numbers I want. He gets a big offer. We're going to let him walk and not match on an offer sheet. We have no idea. You're right. Right. And, we have and, no clue. And, and he could be anywhere in between. Right, and that that throws another wrinkle to all this. So basically everything we're gonna say going forward is just gonna be a guess. It's yeah, it's just gonna be it's just gonna be bull crap that we're making up. But you know what? I should have named that's why I should have named this podcast. Bull crap that we're making up. So that's that's life. Life is bull crap you're making up. Uh pretty but, much. Speaking of bullcrap you're making up, I'm sure you have a lot of writing that you have done and will do. Um, anything you want to plug? Uh, you know, I wrote wizard stuff the last few days. Some more stuff to other people, but, you know. <laughs> but, you know, everybody's got, everybody's got thoughts, everybody's got an angle, so uh, read that. More coming out. Yada, yada, yada. Um, yeah. All right. Well, Ben does great work. NBC Sports Washington. At Ben Standig. S-T-A-N-D-I-G. Uh, subscribe to Wizards After Dark. Three more post-game episodes. There will be off-season episodes. I haven't figured out what the plan is yet for the off-season, but I'll let you guys know when I do know. Subscribe to Wizards After Dark on iTunes. Give us five stars on iTunes. Leave a review on iTunes. I will be back Friday after they play the Spurs. Then 79 of these things, plus the preseason. You know what I just thought? Like, I don't think I've actually... 
uh, written a review on your uh, podcast just because I'm lazy. You should just write that Ben Stanek is great. No, but I appreciate if somebody does that. Uh, no, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go in there and I th- I just thought of what my username is gonna be. I'm just gonna tell you now. It's gonna be hashtag credentialed media. <laughs> that's gonna be my that's gonna be my that's gonna be my uh, user ID. I'm not gonna explain that joke, but it's a good joke. Uh, All right, I will be back on Friday after the Spurs game, guys. I'll talk to you then.